Welcome back to What Have You. I'm Rachel Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel. This time, we come to you from the afterlife. <laughs> She's not even joking. This was the week that killed us both dead. <laughs> you should see both of us right now. Both of us look like we've been kind of toasted kind of, it's over. It's kind of a puffy and oh. frizzly sort of a time. I last oh, night my word. I accidentally fell asleep in my clothes, and <laughs> Luke, Luke was like, if only "Where's Luke- Rachel?" He's looking around the house. Where did my wife go? Oh. There she is. And I think it was probably like at nine or something. I was just passed out in my clothes. But what I'm saying is when you go to bed at nine and you wake up at six and you still feel crunchy and puffy and yeah, weird, no. you know things are afoot. If only Luke could have taken a quick photo and sent it to me, then I could have I mean, shared it with all of I our actually, listeners. I have a praise report. <laughs> Luke did not take a photo. So <laughs> let's just let's just try and rewind. Uh, and give everyone you couldn't possibly cope with a blow by blow but let's do the flyover so so for Rachel this was crunch time in the biggest of ways with her move it was a strange crunch yeah for me it was the first week of school and everything and that me, attends but it wasn't that. Teaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, both. Okay, so both of us have first week of school for children. Yes. I have first week of school as a teacher. Rachel's having the most. We moved into our new house, but but there were complications with that, which was <laughs> that we had meant to. Um, the plan was to move into our new house, sort of like. I'll take the stuff from the kitchen and go put it into the kitchen. But in that way that most people do. Right. That's one of the theories that can be used <laughs> in moving. But, but what Rachel thought what she ended do up happening is getting an egg whisk and whisking her whole house up. Oh, my heavenly day. So what ended up happening was we had to be out of mom and dad's house, but we couldn't walk on the floors of our new house. So basically... At the last minute, instead of moving like normal people move, we decided to just take all of our stuff and throw it in the driveway in the country. <laughs> and so we really gave all the other people a heads up of what kind of people were coming into the neighborhood. Just huge. And we, because we couldn't walk on the floor, it ended up being like... Uh, and you had to be out of mom and dad's house because there were other people... Moving Coming in. in. Yeah, it's so, not like mom and dad were kicking you out. You know, No, no. There's no. another family who lost their house in an accident, pretty much, and they are moving in. So we wanted to get out and, and they, have them. They, they need, need a place to it's be It's like, it, it wasn't just a... It was better for us to put all our stuff in a driveway in the country yeah, it than to make It was not a wait. capricious decision. No, was, no. And, the, and it wasn't actually... We've known that deadline for a while. It's just everything ended up coming to the, uh, the moment. Yeah. And it was pretty funny. So there's that. So we did that, but I and I but, feel but like this is also like Luke. Is Luke's been pulling all nighters. He pulled an all nighter up at the house, painting to get. We had to try to get stuff out to get the floor guy to do his last coat. So right there, it's been a couple months of 
insane yeah. trying to get the house done, etc. So there's that. Then my additional piece. And our first, I feel like you need to know this really fast. Yeah, okay. Our first okay. night there, which is when you're still not allowed to walk on the downstairs floors except for in socks. But we do a sock bucket brigade getting the beds into the upstairs. But the upstairs is still thoroughly, thoroughly construction site. Like, we had to, like, sweep major amounts of dust and stuff out of the bedrooms to get people in there. And when we finally get into bed, well, it was a ways after midnight, we finally get into bed, and Luke and I are both just like, uh, like, with all of our worldly possessions in a jumble sale on the side of the house. (laughs) And then Lena comes into our bedroom and is like, I cannot find any of my clothes. Like, I don't know where my clothes are. And I was like, where do you think they are? And she says, I think they're still in the back of the dump truck, which is Nate's dump truck, which we (laughs) fill. (laughs) So out I go in my pajamas, scaling into the back of the dump truck, (laughs) which was really priceless because... It's dark out there in the country, but there are northern lights. So I'm in the back of a dump truck in the middle of the night with the northern lights, feeling around for clothes-like baggage. <laughs> and while I'm and up you're there... Like, you're like, I'm so glad I put it in clear plastic bags. <laughs> I was going to take back that tip. in the back of this dump truck up on the hill in the middle of the dark, dark night. And and it starts to rain. Not like little rain. Like big, sloppy, thwappy raindrops. (laughs) And there are all of our worldly goods just lying about. (laughs) And and Luke comes out here in the rain and he comes out and so Luke and I are in the middle of the night trying to unfurl about four acres of painter's plastic. Which lays down real nicely. <laughs> On a windy hilltop. <laughs> Rachel, you so, forgot. No, you forgot. The worst detail of all, which is your your transportation. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay, so earlier in the day. The same day, guys. Same day. Before the dump truck incident. <laughs> earlier in the day, we borrowed Nate's dump truck because it can move a lot of stuff. So yeah. we were using that, and we were using my dad's truck, but we have whittled our way down to only one working vehicle. Which we are just trying to make work while we finish the financial nosebleed that is building the house. (laughs) We were hoping to not buy a new car, but we would buy a new car if there was a car we knew which one to buy. But it doesn't really make sense. Nothing. It's a complicated issue. But our idea was basically to eke it out as we are (laughs) until we can think about it, which we haven't been able to do yet. So... But at the day, while we're packing up everything, we, uh... The deadline. The day that is the deadline yeah, to be I'm out like, of the Yeah, I'm like, all house. right, kids, get in the car. 
we're gonna um we're gonna go get lunch and we get in the car luke's out unloading a load of stuff i drive down the street from my parents house and turn in the car just starts behaving very badly like <laughs> real badly and we and it dies so we pull over and we're dead on the side of martin street <laughs> the day of the deadline and I'm parked I'm parked with all the kids on the side of an obscure road so Ben and I Ben and I are in our old beater pickup doing a dump run and so we drive to Martin Street and take Rachel's dog and several children better than this is that we get to uh, we get to out to our house we have our midnight painter's plastic I looked at the weather when it was doing this and it, it was said at the time of this huge raindrop extravaganza that there was zero chance of participation <laughs> <laughs> precipitation zero none in the forecast none was happening right then we're just getting pegged by these big sloppy rains and uh so so that was funny anyways and it ended up being okay it was not that big a deal we got the plastic on it and nothing really it didn't really keep raining so so then sunday morning Oh yeah, no, Sunday you morning. This, yeah, this, and then I have my separate overlay that makes this whole thing so much zip doodlier. But uh, yeah, well, it adds to the whole aura. But we go okay. So Sunday morning, we rack it out. We get the kids all ready. Luke had to run back to the house to get. He needed another guy to help him move uh, something out of the basement. So he had, and we had a new handle for a shower that had to get put on. Like we had, and he was going to reattach for the it. old house. For mom and dad's old house, put on the toilet paper holder afresh because yeah. and like a towel bar. So yeah, Luke runs early Sunday morning to go fix up a few things and get something yeah. out of the basement. But he has charged the battery overnight, so he had dad's truck. He drives, grabs the battery, he charged to the Sequoia, puts that in the Sequoia, and it starts right up. So he's like, okay. okay, then I'll run this home and we'll take the. So <laughs> then he drives out in the country with the sequoia, and the sequoia dies at our house. <laughs> so now we have no car, but we're in the country without the car or the truck. <laughs> so then he's like, okay, you and I will run in the dump truck <laughs> back to get dad's truck. So we zoom back into Morton Street because now we've put dad's truck on Morton. <laughs> So we zoomed back in, and I was like, babe, you took the truck, and it had all my shoes in the back of it. (laughs) So I had no shoes. (laughs) Or I had, like, a pair of sneakers, but, you know, that was exciting. So he comes blasting. We come back into town in the dump truck, and he hands me the key, and he goes to pull a Yui in the dump truck, and I go in, and there were TVs and stuff in the cab of Dad's truck. So he locked it. But we didn't know that Dad's truck doesn't unlock the cab. Like, when if you lock oh, the cab, no, it's locked for good. I didn't hear this. <clears throat> yeah. So then we have no access to the running truck. We just have the <laughs> dump truck. And, and the key won't turn. <laughs> So we drove over to mom and dad's house 
their current my grandpa's house and I went and pilfered the closet for a couple of wire hangers and we went back and Luke magnificently unfurled them and created a hooking mechanism by which he <laughs> fed two hangers in the back window of dad's cab and grabbed the door handle and opened it. Oh like, my word. So we broke into the truck <laughs> on Martin. And by this by this time we've just pretty much missed church all the way. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile we're getting texts from our kids who are waiting in their church clothes. <laughs> but probably with no shoes. They were like question mark. <laughs> like, where are you? That's a great question. And Slightly we're nuanced. unable to answer what we're doing. So we got that now. We did. And then we went. This connects to what well, Becca yeah, was doing Well, yeah, but you have to rewind this. Okay, so that's Rachel's bit of Tabasco that she's got going yeah. at her house. It was good times. And then I have the first week of school. But on Friday, I am in charge of the NSA Welcome Back picnic for all the students. So I'm cooking and it's like a non, you don't have to RSVP. You can only imagine how much help I was. Yeah. Rachel was, a, it was thoroughly helpful. So, <coughs> uh, so it's not an RSVP event. It's like, you know, you just kind of people roll up and, and all the faculty and staff are invited and they're invited to bring all of their families as well. So you have to sort of cook for if everybody shows up, you know, and Rachel's gone into it. No, I'm here. I'm here. Anyway, so I, I'm cooking for 240 people. So I'm doing pulled pork sandwiches, potato salad, coleslaw, brownies for everybody and drinks and stuff. So I have two lovely women who are going to help with the cooking. So I've got one of them did all the brownies. So I'm paying her to make all the brownies. The other one did the coleslaw for me. So that was fabulous. And I did all the pulled pork and the barbecue sauce and the coleslaw. Well, I made all the coleslaw dressing and I did all the shopping for everything. And you know, like it was, so this was a thing. So I'm trying over the course of my first couple days teaching to then zoom to Lewiston to try to buy all the pork that ever there was and stuff. So anyhow, it was a lot of like late nights and oh my gosh, and then Ben had a trip and then it was like, I'm trying to cook 36 pork roasts, you know, at the same time in my house and, you know, so this is Friday and then it's a big Shazam because you've got to get it all packed up and to the park and you're trying to get it to everybody hot and, you know, it's just a lot. There's a lot of things that come into play there and in the end of the week. But, and then this is the final layer, and that was the day that you had to be out of your house. So, the day that Rachel's having to be out of her house is the day that I'm trying to feed 240 people in the afternoon. We coordinated this really well in advance. Yeah. So, there's that. But then, rewind, I don't know, a couple of weeks is when this first got brought up. I don't know. Dad mentioned it when we were on our way to the airport. To take them to France for yeah, 16 Yeah, a couple days. weeks ago, yeah. uh, we get this message from a journalist that is doing some story for British television, and they want to they want to come to Moscow. The BBC wants to come film us in our but natural I don't think habitat. It is the BBC, but they wanted to talk about 
traditional women's roles or something. And I was feeling super like, oh, whatever, I'm not interested in that. I don't care what happens here. And then, um, and I, I, I kind of assumed that whatever story they're doing, it would, it would show up in the backwoods of a media outlet somewhere and get 12 Instagram likes, <laughs> you know, like that's kind of what I was thinking. And, um, so I hadn't really thought about it at all and I didn't really care about it, but they wanted to just come and talk to us and, and find out about our community and things. Now, we all know that that's not going to go well. Like, we know that we will be made to look like the biggest idiots on the planet. I don't planet. know. It's going to be like a it's special like, on the corn poems of Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> well, not just that, but the dangerous ones. They're yeah. probably They're probably quite quite backwards and dangerous is the and so we knew that it was probably gonna be here can we come and make you look like a nerd for British TV <laughs> and so and so we were like I love what, what a friend said a British friend said I know exactly what they're going to do it's going to be like <laughs> featuring the man that you know quite well who's just a wonderful guy but when it comes up on the BBC he's getting up before breakfast to look for mushrooms and she's like and you know that he's a lovely man but but they've made him look like just a she said a lovely man who just happens to like mushrooms but by the time it makes it to the BBC, he looks like a real mushroom problem. And so basically, we know that we're going to have a journalist here who would like to document our strange ways. Like, right. Like, you kind of expect David Attenborough will be, like, narrating over the yeah. top about the strange notice, beetle. Notice this how... A strange <laughs> beetle we found doing weird things in its natural environment. Yeah. So, anyhow, that was going to be happening, and they were going to be arriving on, like, Thursday night. And then, so, Friday, they wanted to come to my house to film me getting ready for the picnic. And Ben had said, like, NSA didn't we were like no you can't come film at the picnic because there's too many people that we realize that if we need to be made to look like dweebs upon the british television <laughs> that's okay but we don't want to commit other right, people right. to that so we we're like now and they were we should be clear they were fishing hard for us to commit other people to it they wanted us to give them yeah yeah so but, people's homes they could go show up at and but, try yeah, to but you film you just don't want to do that to your friends unless your friends are equally ready to be featured as the mushroom man on, on the, the on the grenade. So anyhow, so we uh, we had that coming, and so on Friday they were gonna come over and and talk to me while I'm getting ready for the picnic. So I just I need you to picture in your mind's eye my first week of school. I've been running around like a crazy person, and now I'm trying to cook for 240 people. And my kitchen, as you all know, is very, very, what would you call my kitchen? There's not even a word. It's like demolition derby central in there. <laughs> and then you have cook for 240 over the top of it. So, right. and then they show up and they're getting our consent to be filmed. 
And it turns out my hopes and my dreams about this being a little backward something <laughs> on a blog somewhere. I don't somewhere, know why you thought that, though, because I knew that it was the, from the beginning. They said, you know, you hear BBC and you're like, yeah, right, whatever. It's probably remotely connected to some obscure little channel somewhere, whatever. Rachel's saying no. I'm like, I think we knew I this did. all along. I did. I was, you know, people always puff themselves off as being <laughs> far more important than they actually are. And so I just sort of thought, whatever. Well, guys, especially the British people, I apologize in advance because we're going to be on Channel 4. <laughs> when you Sometime. say we, you should all know that Becca got really... Becca got really chosen. I in got this singled one. out, you guys. She and got, then, and she had to go give a assume, tour of the Moscow farmers market. I, know, I assume it's just because, like, I wrote a book on feminism, and that's what they're here to talk about. But so. they also really wanted to get into people's homes and feature people. Yeah, and, and you Rachel's had stuff home, going at your home. Rachel didn't have a home that day, so <laughs> can't come to my house. So I have them in, and so I'm. I can't tell you how very, very authentic of an experience they filmed because because I was there with my two girls who didn't have class making all the potato salad you could ever hope to imagine and I'm pouring barbecue sauce into teeny little containers to put in everybody's individual bagged dinners. And then they're asking me about feminism as I'm and, you know, like, I've got my red bandana on, you guys. It's a whole thing. Were you barefoot? I believe I was. Yeah, barefoot in the kitchen I was probably, with the I was, well, this was the dining room because my kitchen has no counters. Oh, right. So then they did that on Friday. Then on Saturday they were, oh, that's when they took me to Farmer's Market and filmed me. And that basically means that now all of Moscow is apprised that something is happening because <laughs> because I'm having to see all these people that I know as I'm walking ever so slowly down the middle of Farmer's Market <laughs> with with the, with the cameraman walking backwards in front of me everyone <laughs> it was not subtle I have to say though I want to clarify something about when we first heard that they wanted to come and they were like, can we talk to you about, can we come? We did first say, this is not a good time for us. Oh, like yeah. the timing like, is bad. Really bad the timing is not good. Find a different time. And they said, this is when we have to come because of the production schedule. So it's kind of like, this is when we're coming. Like, All right. This is what's happening. But then on the other hand, when we talked about it, about are we willing to, I talked with Karishma on the phone and when you know talking about what they would find here what's going on mm-hmm. and and i just said you know the thing is is cuz they're saying well what we what we want what the story is supposed to be about is women who have chosen traditional basically gender roles yeah. traditional reacting out of the feminist ideal and she said uh kind of like what we really want to explore is why. Why are women choosing this? So yeah. our discussion across the family that we had was, are we willing to have them come do this or not? And the answer is really, when you're asking us, why have you chosen these roles? We all know the answer is the gospel, Jesus, Jesus the Bible. <laughs> and when that's the answer, 
you have no right to say I won't talk to you about it in you case might you might make, make me, me look, look stupid. Dumb. If you're going to make us look stupid, we're not going to tell you the good news. Yeah, if they had wanted to come and talk to us about bread baking, we would have been like, sorry, no, no it's a really nobody bad cares. But when they're saying, what we just want to explore is why. It's like, well, okay, so what you want to hear from us, what you're asking to hear from us, whether or not you'll put it on the show. Right. Is the gospel. Yeah. So, go ahead. And and I will say, all of you loyal listeners, you should pray for... that. This is a... This is... Our prayer was that it would be fruitful for the gospel, even for one... Like, if one person yeah. becomes aware of, of a different way of living because of this, and we look like mushroom hunting nincompoops, <laughs> it's worth it. It doesn't matter. It it's like, it. you know... I was praying that... Well, that it would be a really important and meaningful trip for the for the two people who came, right? And then after that, whatever. Who were we should I, we should clarify? Lovely, they were both very gracious and people. kind. Yeah, but but that doesn't mean that you. I'm pretty sure they're gonna go back and they could edit me down to saying things that I would never agree with. You know what I mean? Right. Who knows what they're gonna do? But then, um, but they did seem like. You know, they were Friday night. They had a bunch of lovely women who all knew they might be made to look like idiots on the BBC who still willingly showed up. And we had this whole group of women. And she said, Now, just by a show of hands, how many of you would consider yourselves feminists? Just nary a hand (laughs) went up. We were all like, Nah. Nah. And it was funny. She, but she was, she was a lovely woman. I really enjoyed her. I have no idea what they're going to do with the show. And if they make us look like ultra, ultra crazy people, that may or may not be accurate. But the the thing is, I've been praying that uh, it would not make. I'm not sure I'm going to watch this thing. I don't think I want to know. I don't want to know. But I've been praying that it would not do damage to the name of Christ. But that if it does a lot of damage to our names, our boats, that's all right. It's okay. That's all right. But but it was it was the gospel that they got hit with coming and going. I mean it was the whole weekend was gospel, gospel, gospel. And then we had them Like I would say I would say that the gospel was shared with them in different questions. I don't know. I would think like Every eight time. or nine times. And then she and, came with us to church, and it was a phenomenally good sermon that she was there for. And then, um, and then we ended up we did Sabbath dinner this week at our house, and we had to do it after church on Sunday because mom and dad just got back from France, and then dad had to we do had a, a wedding. wedding on Saturday night. So it really was the most hecticest week that you possibly could have. And then they came to Sabbath dinner, and they, oh my gosh, everyone, they filmed me after church getting ready for Sabbath dinner. I hadn't even gone to the store yet. So she, like, it was the real honest to goodness. It was the kind goodness. of time that We had no wants. time to prepare a, a big something for them. So anyhow, they came to our house, and it was just like all of us running around and cooking, and then some of the cousins showed up, and... I had the girls all making bread on my dining room table, and it was all about as real as it gets. And Dottie the roof dog was Dottie. out in their dog, <laughs> Merkel's dog, <laughs> likes to go out an upstairs window and patrol the the, the roof, roof above the wraparound porch. <laughs> so the whole time the BBC is filming us with our traditional gender roles. 
There's a dog. The, on the, the roof. roof dog is is on patrol Keeping up above. It classy. <laughs> so. And, and then, then and then and the barbecue Rachel, wouldn't work, so yeah. Nate brought his own bar. Nate brought a different barbecue, and then the that barbecue had a fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but they were there for Sabbath, and, and then I they came sat with and my questions. puffy face and the yeah. shoes I found. I know, and I was wearing a terrible outfit because I didn't have time to come up with something. So it's like there's all the, the fat rolls. The rule is when being filmed by the BBC. Don't have an outfit ready. And if possible, don't have time to really so fix your hair. I would say, <laughs> now you all know why we did that. Just bear that in mind when you oh. see it. And also pray. But because one thing that I, I thought is that even if the BBC doesn't have any intention of making Actually, it I look good, it which I can't, I don't think that they can because they don't agree with it. And they, and we yeah. know that we know yeah. that they don't agree with us and that mm-hmm. they think it's silly. And like I told Charlie, it was like, the thing is, is that the cross is foolishness to the world. Yeah, so we don't actually have any expectation of our lives yeah. looking like anything but no. foolishness to people I who know. don't know God. But the thing is, is they're, they're flying out this morning. So it's, that's in our rear view mirror. I mean, and we're, I hope right. we're going to have to see what happens with that. But, um, they're not done. They're going right. to go spend three weeks editing this thing in Oxford and they're going to be pouring over that footage again and again and again, and they're yeah. going to get the gospel again and again and again. And so I think if everyone would just pray for those two. Yeah. And the people who watch it. Yeah, because I was like, even if they try to make it look bad, they can't control if somewhere someone else is ripe for the harvest yeah, and exactly. they see it. So. so I just hope it, it isn't, I hope that it's accurate for the gospel, even if my fat rolls are not at all. I think your fat rolls were wanted. proclaiming the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> you and I. Oh, boy. We have the fat rolls that handle our publicity. <laughs> I shouldn't tell people on the podcast these jokes because then when there's a when there's a new picture of me because I'm going to be at the G3 conference and everyone is like much better cropping. <laughs> oh, I know. I so, love that. Anyway, but we did have a good time with them and it was a fun weekend and who knows how hideous we'll look. So everyone, just it's a show called unreported world and the thing is is that um well we're reported now we are on the record but the one thing is uh i'm pretty sure that channel four is not the bbc it's like the main competitor or something to the Mm. bbc so it wasn't me that made up the bbc no but yeah anyhow i just can i recommend that you not all spend your time you know, hovering over the TV guide to find out when it's going to be, because I think I'd be much happier to just let this one go off into the distance. (laughs) Guys, we've told you all there is to know about it. No need to look. So that was our update for our week. That was a long update, but it was a long week. So that's why, that's why to bring us full circle. That's why Rachel and I are sitting here in the car on a Monday morning looking like well you know what we look like Rach we look like my stovetop I loved mm. that I loved that 
he was in my kitchen getting close-ups of things going on on my stove and I had not yet had time to recover the top of my stove from the pulled pork fiasco <laughs> and so it still has like renegade bits of crispy, crispy pulled pork all over the place and I feel like I at least feel like a bit of crispy pulled pork myself. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Now I don't know where I am looking for this. How she, how she described what they do, but I can't tell. Yeah, it's just like British TV. I think so. Yeah, I I don't know. But anyway, guys, that's what happened. But you know what else though? We're not the only people they interviewed, and so their tra- the story is on the rise of traditionalism right. and conservatism and ultra conservatism and i said ooh are we your ultra conservatives and she said no no you're not you're quite mild and yeah, so, so i think they might have gotten way out in the bushes with people right. who are maybe we wouldn't want to share airspace yeah. with what they're doing oh well yeah exactly so further up and further in now life's just rolling along today's the day that we should be allowed to have a furniture on our downstairs floor that's so exciting so i need to get you know that sorted out gotta yeah Mm -hmm. pull up your socks and get ready to go with yeah but like our dishwashers are not hooked up yet and our washers and dryers are not hooked up yet so we're a little not yeah. at full fighting force not yet. Quite, not quite. But we're getting there. I have one or two things to recover from at my house, like oh, the picnic for two hundred and forty, and then Sabbath yeah. yesterday, mm-hmm. and then. Anywho, there's that. But I'm also hoping that I'm gonna get my. There's one little cupboard that's coming. Oh, along and tomorrow, my house. I'm gonna paint it. Tomorrow, I do the first YooHoo for teens. Oh, fun. Webinar. It's nice. a webinar. Which is... That's cool. For teenagers on... Can I just say, actually... Who you are? Yeah. I don't... I was thinking about, you know, when you have... When you have people in from so far outside of your own lifestyle choices. And they come in and they're taking a real hard look at our lives. I was telling my kids this. And I think yours... Yeah. Is it's the same. Is that I feel like our kids are probably the single weirdest piece because we have a big mob of really fun, funny, cute, accomplished kids who are actually on our team. They're like you know, like my girls yeah. when they're helping me, but they're not like surly little stinkers slamming the doors in the background and can't wait to get out of this madness that they've brought me up in you know like and I I honestly think that is a very surprising component is teens who are not having flustery times right you know and that's a huge blessing it's like I'm so grateful for that yeah they're just I always think that when people ask what did you do what? How did you get this, or what did you do about this? I just—it's so interesting to me how you can say there are there are things that we know we did, but it's a gift. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's like we didn't accomplish this. Like we didn't, we didn't somehow give ourselves the gift of teens that believe and and are. And, yeah, it's very and, much God. Right. It's like well. 
But it's also, I, I will say too, that can that can make it sound like it's just a fluke and there's no way of producing this. No, and I it's think not... I think what it always draws my attention to is how intricately God has connected obedience and fruit with just his own, that all of it is his grace. All of it is that as we obey, we're only obeying because he has enabled us to, and it is a gift. And, and that, and then when you see the fruit of the gift he gave you at the first place, you know, it's just, it's a really, I don't know. It's an interesting, it's a very sweet thing to see. It is. And it's also like so much God's kindness combined with, I like, I don't, I don't, you wouldn't want to make it sound like it's totally haphazard. It doesn't matter how you parent. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and it's just totally up in the air. Because it's not like that. We do think no. God works through means, but his means are obedience and I repentance. Think, I think what I'm trying and, to say is that, that the fruit so vastly outweighs the yeah. obedience that it can be nothing but of God. Like totally. when you, and, and it's not even like the obedience is the money we put in and no. the, it's nothing like that. It's just that there's this, there is this design in what God has told us to do. When you said the very simple steps of confessing our sin and getting things right and seeking uh-huh. to obey and reading the word and, and uh-huh. loving the Lord and pursuing him. The, the obedience is not like higher math around no. all this stuff. It's simple Christian no. living that that comes back. But it is sort of like, I feel like I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. 100%. Yeah. And so it's like, you can't say I planted and Apollos watered and then hooray, we did it ourselves. Right. But, and none of the, but all also, this stuff is like, oh, a great Christian education. Yeah, that's a big deal that a lot of people labored to mm-hmm. bestow on, you know, yeah. it's not like it was neither here nor there, but it does. Yeah. But it's also like God brings the increase through Paul's planting and Apollos is watering. So it's like right, a, but when a godly you... father and a godly mother, both working together, it's still God who gives the blessing, uh-huh. but he gives the blessing through. I mean, if you want to harvest you do have to plant and water. You can't just sit right, inside and watch TV. But it's, but it's also true you have to plant and water, but that the increase, like so many Christian parents, despair in the planting and watering. Yeah. And they despair because they're like, that seems like an unattainable fruit out yeah. there. Right. And there's no way that this planting and this watering would mm-hmm. ever yield anything. And so they forget that component that God gives the increase and so they end up being focused on, they are focused on how small the planting and how small the watering is and how they don't see this. And then they quit because they're yeah. like, this can't possibly yeah. yield tremendous things. But or forgetting it, that when God is the one giving the increase, the yeah. increase is large. And sometimes people quit because they feel like this is so small, but other times they quit because it actually really is a lot of work and they get a little tired of it. And And they feel like this is so big. I can't do it. Or it's like, okay, well that was a bad day, but you know, I give myself grace. And then the next day it's like, okay, well, all right, that was a bad day. I'm just in a bad spell. Forget, forget. I'm in a slump right now. Everyone needs to, to be kind to me sort of, you know, like does that verse, he gives more grace. Uh, no, it doesn't come after that. I was going to say the 
I remember I've told I'm sure I've told this story before that I was just skunking it up one day. <laughs> I know I blogged about it. Um <laughs> where I was just really not not No, it is right. It is together. Okay. So I was having a real squirt sauce of a day. I don't even know what was happening, but I think I was pregnant and that made it where everything was unbearably tireder than it should have been, you know? And I, however, it came to a culmination of me and the produce section at Winco (laughs) calling my husband because I was feeling like I can't live like this. This has to stop. We can't, (laughs) this is no longer allowed. And, and as I'm, it's actually really funny that I can't remember at all what was causing this. I just remember the sensation of being like, you know, like this is the worst ever and calling Luke and let's just have a little three cheers for husbands who don't put up with it (laughs) moment because instead of being like, let me fix it for you, he said, it sounds like you need to confess that. <laughs> when I'm like, you don't understand how greatly evil the times are and that everyone is doing everything wrong at my expense. <laughs> and I'm still the only one trying to work to fix it. And why am I here at the grocery store when, why does nobody else care? Why does, you know, who knows what my problem was. But I just remember it being like, so it sounds to me like you need to confess that. And there's this silent moment on the phone. (laughs) And he said, I want you to pray about it. And I just, me with the dang cart standing there like what what and you just know you know if you have a Christian instinct you know that if someone tells you to pray about it and your heart bridles at the thought of that 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 they're correct they are right that you are not you are not actually in a position to speak about matters. If you think that praying about it sounds like a dumb concept. <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to pray about it. So I pulled over into the band-aid aisle. <laughs> and there, holding on, pregnant lady holding on to my cart in the band-aid aisle. We had to talk with the Lord about it. And the funny thing is that what the Lord shared with me in that conversation (laughs) was not that everyone else was doing it wrong. (laughs) Turns out, turns out the Lord had a thought for me about it. (laughs) And that Luke Luke was very correct. (laughs) And so, moment in the band-aid aisle was that the Lord resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And I realized that 
where I was was being proud. I didn't want to pray about it. And <laughs> and I was being proud in that I was in a snaggletoothed bad attitude day. Like who knows what was happening because but it wasn't just me being a problem. It was no doubt a lot of children yeah. drawing attention to my lack of effective parenting at that time. You know, so so what ends up happening is you're taking it you're taking it as an insult that you need help, you know, like yeah. when you're being a mess. And because I was taking it as an insult that I needed help, I didn't want to talk to the Lord about it because you felt like, no, I'm going to handle it. I'm going to well, get this all moments, under control. You want help. You want all the help except for the thing that except will actually help. Except for the help. one help that might really do it. <laughs> you and want, I called Luke because yeah, I probably wanted, wanted someone help. to intervene. Yeah. I wanted, wanted someone to come to fix come. my problems. Yeah. And he did by telling me to, <laughs> to go get that and you pig were hoping it would sorted out. Something more like bath salts. Yeah, and I but I realized <laughs> that the pride, the pride was thinking that no, I'm going to turn this around by like getting a coffee or changing the subject, or I'm going to like find a way to turn this bad day around or yeah. by getting my husband to help me somehow or by whatever, you know, like somebody, I'm, maybe if somebody would feel sorry for me, that would help. Yeah. But no doubt that'll pick me right on up. <laughs> and, and so whatever my problem was, this realization that God resists the proud. And the reason I was so miserable was because God was resisting me. I mean, like, and you think of all the things I didn't want to talk to God, but God was resisting my pride also. You know, like there's some, there's a way in which God was thwarting me in that effort. And, but the very next part, but gives grace to the humble and yeah. to have the humility to say, Lord, I am really losing it here. Like, and he has to give grace to make you humble. So He that's... gave the grace to make me <laughs> humble. Then he gave grace to me when I was humble. And But the reason I thought of that was because it's right before that it says, but he gives more grace. Yeah. And then it says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. I think so many times in parenting... You think, I'm going to figure this out. Some, you know, I'll sort this out. I'll do this. And, but there are all kinds of times in parenting where I am praying, like, Lord, just give me, like, please give me some idea of how to connect with this child, how to say mm -hmm. something that they'll understand, how to. Well, you know what I think too is a way that, that, that pride can evidence itself in parenting, I think, is when, uh parents allow themselves hypocrisies you know what I mean like because that mm -hmm. that really is kind of the essence of it is is when you you know what I mean like you're you're tolerating secret sin in your life or you're tolerating uh -huh. some kind of festering low-grade sin in your life or you're hiding the sin or from you're the not kids. you're not noticing how much of your kids problems are a direct downstream result of the dead deer in your own waters. Exactly. You know, like we exactly. have we have a problem right here and yeah. the kids are feeling the stank, but yeah. it is actually that I need to confess this. I need yeah. to like But go I feel get like the right. hypocrisy hypocrisy in parenting can really be a really big thing. Where it's like you're well, trying I don't to think raise that the kids little are gonna kids not notice. Well, but I think that oftentimes they might not know at all. And they don't yet notice, the but they, the result yeah. of it is evident yes, in them. Because, mm -hmm. because you, well, it's just the old wisdom of 
take the log out of your own eye yeah. before you try to get in there with the specs. Well, right, because that day that I was being a fusser at the Winco, no doubt I was annoyed that the kids were being fussers. Probably. You know, like, no doubt Very the likely. problem was that the kids didn't want to do their work. Yeah. They yeah. didn't want to pick up after themselves, and they didn't yeah. want to do this, and here I am complaining it up at the grocery store. Yeah, yeah. and I just, I feel like if you're allowing logs of any description to remain in your eye or well, sometimes sins it's, it's remaining in your soul. genuinely petty kind of a situation, but we used to laugh about when we had um, kids starting secondary they get much more stressed about being to school on time and they have to yeah. be there five minutes earlier than the than the other kids so there, there is more pressure and it is a different situ- yeah so it's yeah. more pressure and so there we were with this nesting problem because what would end up happening is like one of the older kids would be like shut up get your socks on get up why are you reading Calvin and Hobbes you know whatever well he was too little to do that but my point is they would be like, get your lunch. Why don't you have? And then, and then what would go We then the parent, the parental voice would come in. Stop bossing everyone. <laughs> and you're like, uh, it's like kids being bossy, bossy, bossy. And then parents being bossy, bossy, bossy. Like we got to yeah. find a way we, and it wasn't, yeah. and not even people being angry. It's just the tone being ugly. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I don't like our music. Let's change yeah. the tune. And the thing is like, I, I don't know. I feel like there's... We solved that with a the bell. There's... Oh, that's good. Yeah, I worked. Bell systems, they put the fear in you. Well, we just told the kids to... We told the older kids that they were allowed to ring the bell at 8 o'clock, but that they were not allowed to hassle anyone about what time that's it was smart. or what. I was like, if you ring the bell at 8 o'clock, anyone who's reading after the bell has rung is in trouble. Okay. Anybody who's lollygagging. You yeah. know, but if you have a kid that gets up at like seven thirty and they sit down for a minute, and someone's like, "What are you doing?" You're like, "That's a little rude." Like, come on, guys. It's true. It's Anyways, totally true. And I think that's that's a kind of like super obvious hypocrisy that the kids will see. You know, it's like, yeah. That's are, what I meant. Is why that, are you allowed to use that snorty voice, but I'm not allowed to yeah, use it or uh-huh. whatever? Uh, why can you have that attitude, but I'm not allowed to have that attitude? That's a basic, yeah. obvious hypocrisy. But mm-hmm. I think I mean. I think there are a lot of times that parents think that this little thing that I'm cherishing won't ever affect my parenting. Right, like my discontent it, my in my discontent, heart that's not being vocalized. The fact that I deeply resent my husband or a husband with a secret unconfessed porn problem or a dysfunctional marriage that you pretend is okay for the sake of the kids. That's uh-huh. like, that is a deep, deep hypocrisy. Right. And then it comes out in the kids, but I think the parents are in denial and the kids don't know, but the whole thing just produces a, well, it doesn't produce the fruit. Yeah. It just is sad. And so the, that's what I mean by like, I think the planting and the watering is first and foremost it's just like being faithful yourself you know like being faithful and obedient yourself and confessing your own sins and then and then expanding that with your children yeah expanding your own faithfulness to how you handle them exactly yeah um so we're kind of we should we We should should wrap wrap it up up. so it's been nice it's been real maybe next week we'll simmer it on down you want to you want to revoke a tip my tip my tip is do not do not 
think that you're going to just move stuff out of one house and into another one and prepare <laughs> prepare instead to throw it all in the driveway. And, and then and also, that will shift your packing. If possible, when you have a sister in a moving crisis, organize your week such that you can be zero help at all. You cannot yeah, take do, her dinner. You uh, cannot, yeah. Because you can't take her dinner because you're trying to feed 250 yeah. people. And there's no day. help for the wicked. That's no. how it works out. No. So <laughs> thanks all for coming. Bye-bye. Bye bye.